0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Hope Builders. We're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, So we'll go ahead and read our verse together. So join me. Colossians 3, 1, 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is sitting with Christ in God. Now some of you look at this picture of home improvement, you you cringe because that's not your thing. How many of you do not like home improvement things? You're not one of those I like to do painting and those things. How many of you love to do it? How many of you like to do it? You do it because it's a necessity. You gotta get it done. Yep, I'm with you on that one. That's me. And uh, the only thing I like about home improvement stuff is when you're done with it, you can look back and go, wow, that looks good. Unless, of course, it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Our focus, I've used this passage before when talking about, this is a new series, but. I've used this passage in the past because I think that this sets us up for success. Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In other words, if God's hand of blessing isn't over your home, We're just going to spin our wheels. We're just going to do stuff. But God has to be in there. And I think we we don't just invite him in. But God is where his people are. And God wants to work in amazing ways in your home. But it has to start with us. Okay? For example, when we look at the church, the church of Jesus Christ, right? Is the church this building? Yes or no? No. It's what? It's the people. It's us. Followers of Jesus Christ. And I want you to think of that same concept in relationship to this series. God's desire for our homes is to build us up. To build us as individuals. To, to create within us the character of Jesus Christ in everything that we do. That we're walking like Christ. Okay. Choose to use the Lord's blueprint for your home. There's a lot of things that are taught out there regarding families. You're going to hear things that uh, are on television. You're going to hear things in media. You're going to hear things, in, in, read things in resources, in blogs, all kinds of things. And we get inundated with ideas of how to have a good home. What's the right thing to do? What's the wrong thing to do? But I want us to remember that if God is the one building our homes... If he's the one that's going to be doing this, we've got to go back and really focus on what does God really want us to do. Uh, And that doesn't mean that good resources out there can't help you. That doesn't even mean necessarily all Christian sources. Most of the time, I mean, obviously there's some great Christian resources that are out there. But that doesn't mean that God's truth is not in other sources. But you have to filter it back through what? The The Word of God. Everything that we hear, we have to filter back through God's Word to ensure that what we're actually thinking about is actually true. Now, I know we don't use blueprints anymore. We have never, you know, it's been years since we've used blueprints. But I think you understand what a blueprint is, whether you're building on an addition. Some of you are just going to rebuild a home someplace. How many of you have ever built um, an addition onto your home or actually built a home? Okay? Okay. Those are, those are challenging things and, and blueprints are important, at least back in the day. The blueprint is a visual image of how the architect wants something to look. It gives you that idea, what does it, what what it want to look like? And really, that's what God is setting this up. What does, okay, what does a godly woman, what does a godly man, what does a godly husband, what does a godly wife, what do godly parents look like? What does this look like? And that's why I love the Bible because it gives us, as I've said in here before, the good, the bad, the ugly. It shows us examples of people who did it wrong. It shows us examples of people who did it right. And we can see through that that, again, it's just like us. How many of you, when you think about your life, you can go, I've made some mistakes in being a husband and a wife, a parent. A, 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 a Christian, a follower of Christ. You've made some mistakes. I'm just looking for everyone's hands. <laughs> yeah, Roger puts up both of his. We make mistakes. Okay? Stop beating yourself up for your mistakes. God doesn't, neither should we. There's therefore now no condemnation to them or Christ Jesus. God is not condemning you, don't condemn yourself. We all make mistakes. The question though is. How do we go through the process uh, when you're building a house, you're building something? The crazy thing is, is there are times when, the, when people build something and they don't make it right, and they don't do something right, and things, things can go awry, and you have to refix things and do things. It was like I have a friend who, had, who bought a home in the area, and it, noticing during the summer that the upstairs, the attic, got exposed. Really hot. I mean, it was like, this is not good kind of stuff. But he knew that there was a, a ridge vent in there. So he said, you know, uh, you know, I can see that they put in a ridge vent. everything, I mean, there's, the heat should be escaping through that, maybe I have to do something else to, to get rid of the heat. So he goes up for the first time after buying the house and goes up into the attic, maneuvers around and looks up and notices something. When they built the house, they put in a ridge vent, but they didn't cut out the ridge. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So he had to bring in a construction company and come in and cut that, cut the bed out so that actually the heat could get out. Mistakes. Are they not fixable? Yes. It takes time, it takes energy, it takes money, but you can fix certain things. And what you wanna do is, it, The issue, though, is this. Most things in your house can get fixed. There is one thing, though. And I know, at least I'm not saying anything about anything. But if you build your house on a poor foundation, it may not be fixable. In fact, in most cases, it's not. You've seen pictures of houses near ledges (laughs) and the erosion takes place. And all of a sudden you begin to see this house fall into the ravine. Horrendous. You've seen things where there are some things that can happen too in your home. I mean, we build a sunroom. Many of you have been in that sunroom of ours and, and after, you know, it up, it's been up there now for oh, how many years, Cheryl? 16. Sixteen years? Where the where the drywall connects, it always cracks. Even though the foundation's great, everything's done, was done right, it begins to crack, and then you have to take that and scrape it out, put it in more stuff. Oh, I don't do that. Anyways. <laughs> you can fix things, but the architect wants to say, this is what it's supposed to look like, and God's word gives that to us. And it usually includes the building materials and where they should go in the home. Obviously today, this is done digitally. And I also want to say this to you. Some of you in here are readers. How many of you love to read? How many of you don't like to read? Sometimes people get intimidated by, I don't like to read God's word. Because I don't like to read. And then you feel bad. Because you're not a reader. Some of you are like avid readers. And you go, oh, I read through the Bible 17 times this year. What's your issue? I'm just get through a chapter. You know, <laughs> The issue is, is that just like a blueprint, God's word, if you listen to God's word digitally, it's okay. The issue isn't, but are you reading it for yourself? If you're listening to it, If you're investing in it, if it's getting into you, that's the key. Whether it's through a modern technology or old school, you do it. Okay? Amen? Amen. Just get into God's Word and let it influence your life. Would you build your physical home without a clear design? Would you kind of go, I want to build our house. I'm just going to get somebody. I want a brick home. And I'm just going to go for it. I don't. I don't need any designs. I'm not. I'm going to build this addition, and I'm just going to build it just from my head. Would you do that? No. No. You can't. We can't build our homes, our lives, without that design as well. And if we try to wing it, if we just kind of do it on our own to try to figure it out, we're going to fail, and we're going to be frustrated. And let me just say, there are failures in every home. Some of them that may be caused by us. Some of them caused by others. We all have them. The issue, though, is how do you repair that then? And that part is part of what this series is going to be about. What is the blueprint for a Christian home? Okay? Who's the arch- architect for your home? That's what you have to think about. Ask yourself the question, who's the architect for your home? Who's the one that's actually designing what you're doing? And think through that for a moment. In other words, are, are, are you intentional? We could say in this class, you know, you're followers of Christ. Well, God is the architect. That's the thing we say. But when we actually walk out of here and go into our homes, what is our intentional plan for building our lives spiritually? What are we actually doing in the, in the design of how we build our lives at our home. In other words, what are the activities, what are the things that we are intentional about? What's the process, the steps that we use to say these are the non-negotiables to develop and build my home? The architect has to do that, and let me just, how many of you have ever had to work with, um, and for those of you who are in this room, who are in this business, this is not something to be taken personal, okay? I think all of us have dealt with this. How many of you have ever hired someone to do a job, but they didn't do it as fast as you expected them to do it? Or for the same money that you expected them to do it for, you know? All these things begin, and it gets frustrating, right? Well, think about it within our own lives. Imagine how God feels when we become followers of Christ, and we're just basically not following the plan. We're just kind of, well, I'm taking a hiatus you know. right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop doing the things that I know I'm supposed to do in this area because I'm busy. I, I've got this going on and that going on. Life goes on. So God, you're going to have to go over here for a while because I've, gotta, I, you know, I've got other stuff I've got to get done. That's how... We feel when some, you, 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 I, I thought you were coming today. Well, I, I'm actually on this other job. We're still working on that one. So I'll probably get to you in a couple days. And at that point you're going, okay, praise the Lord. And everything give thanks, you know? And it happens in all businesses like that because people do get busy. The problem though is that when it happens in our home, what, what, what's going on? What are the influences of what a home should look like in our culture today? I want your feedback. What are the influences of how a home should look like in our culture today? What are the influences? Social media. Social media. Can you give me an example of something from social media in which they're communicating ideas? Uh, I mean, on TikTok or Instagram? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And let me just say this, okay? Now, again, <coughs> pulling up the pin, I'm throwing the grenade. Most people, other which I don't, I, okay, again, don't take anything personal I say today. You know, the words that I say are not necessarily those if I'm throwing sure out the i, I, I don 't understand, uh, but I can appreciate because it gives me a sense of okay, I can pray for them um, <laughs> when someone's in the hospital and they 're all hooked up and they take a picture and they, you know it's like, oh my gosh i don't want to see that yeah. you know i don't know maybe but it does give me the sense of sympathy or empathy if i 've been through that, and you kind of relate to it, but most pictures on the internet on or i 'm sorry on, on Facebook or on Twitter, or on Instagram, are the best of the best of the best. In fact, if you think about it. How many times have you seen a picture taken of you, and you don't have to raise your hand on this, and you don't post that on Facebook, oh, that's terrible. You know, people only want the good stuff up there. And the problem is with that kind of idea is that, oh, they've got a perfect home. Oh, they've got a nice life. Oh, how do they afford that? Oh, and then you keep going through all these things in your head, and you begin to go, wait a minute now, how do I rate, right? How, uh, uh, what, what do I look like in comparison to that, or what does my home look like in comparison to that, or what does this look like, or whatever, fish? Or nowadays, both churches and bad pastor and families. yeah. Just be nice, and you know, all kinds of things like that. Somebody else, what other influences are there? Disney. <laughs> Disney. <laughs> yeah. Enough said. Enough said. <laughs> you know. the influence of schools. I'll give you just one example from this past week. Okay? Um, again, I'm trying to be gracious kind, but I'm teaching on racism, and I think racism uh, violates God's plan of, of treating people who every single person has been created in the image of God. And I said, where does racism stem from? The students and the student said, sin, and yes. What else? And the student goes, America. Racism is all about America. It started with Columbus. And then she went through this thing about, you know, and, and the American Indians, and we displaced them. America's a terrible country because of the racism that started and we displaced these American Indians. And I said, "Yeah, racism has existed in our history. Yeah, and I said, you know, I, I said, but what country... Has that not happened to? You? Is it the people? Was it racist, or is it because of the what we, the land itself, and what it could provide, and the resources, etc.? Was it just a hatred? Some people probably hated the Indians, and another person, don't, 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 don't displacement. She said she's right on the money. It, no, th- this is a bad country. And I said, look, it's interesting to me. The people who hold your view stay here and keep, keep the benefits of this Amen. country, but. Yeah. You know, if you don't like this country, leave. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to another country that has the values that you want, that hasn't had this in, in their history. But let me tell you, it's happened in every single country. Yeah. I said racism exists in every country. Yeah. But the problem is they've never heard that before. That's right. They've never heard the opposite idea. Is there racism in our history? Yeah. yeah. There may be racism in your home. Yeah. Okay. The issue isn't, see, this is part of home improvement. We don't just accept, well, that's just the way I was raised. We change. We change how we feel about people and countries and nations and, and the way we, and the gospel that transforms lives. Amen? Amen. That's what God wants to do, is what's transformed me first? You know? So the question is, those, these are influences. Well, what, is, what does a home actually look like? What gender do we use? You know, uh, what pronouns do we use for people? What homes do we have in relation, you know, how do we view one another? The world is impacting how people think about, what's a woman today? And sometimes it affects how women think, Christian women think. Well, is this really what God's design is? Maybe a harder question is, for our Christian culture today, not you, but our Christian culture today, Do we even care what God says about what a woman or a man is like? Does our culture care? Does the church of Jesus Christ care what God says about what a man is today, what a woman is, what a marriage is, what a home should be like, how we should raise them, etc.? These are hard things that we have to, it's like renewing of the mind. God's design for the home is incredibly important. Psalm 128, 1 to 4. Someone read that for me. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like fruitful vines within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing of the man who fears the Lord. You know, I've never really thought, other than this passage of scripture, of my children as olive sheets, you know? (laughs) But isn't it interesting? What does olives produce? Oil. Or holes, to the light of holes. It produces oil for cooking, for flavor. And it's so healthy. It's a blessing. I, I, I've never thought of Cheryl as a fruitful vine. <laughs> Or do we look at individuals within our home and do we look over to our spouse and go, what a blessing you are. Are we looking at the problems? Or are we looking at the blessings? When we look at our children, do we realize the blessing that they are? Or are they an inconvenience? Our grandkids and all those kinds of, how do we, it is a joy, amen? amen. A joy, when we look at our, to be, to, to be married. I, I'm grateful for that. Does, does Cheryl and I have a perfect marriage? No, because I'm in it. <laughs> you know, and she's still my best friend even though sometimes we don't get along. It's okay. I want to improve though. Do, the, the question before you leave here today is the question, do you want to improve? Do you want to rehab yourself? In the Lord. Or we're just kind of like, well, <laughs> I've been doing this for X amount of years, I'm just going to keep on keeping on. I hope that we all strive for something different. Luke 6, 46 to 49, says, why do you call me Lord Lord and don't do what I say? Okay, stop right there. Okay? In other words, why do we call him Lord Lord and walk out of here and may not follow his design for our homes? Luke, how are you following the design of God for being a husband, a father, a grandfather, a brother in Christ? How am I doing that? As for everyone who comes to me, okay, Lord, I've come to you. We've all come to him. And here's my words, okay, hear it, but here's the thing. You can hear God's word and not putting it into practice. But the person who does put it into practice, he says, I'll show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. Let me just say this. Every one of our homes is going to experience torrents, storms. It's going to impact. Things are going to happen in which ultimately there's going to be problems. There's going to be finances. There's going to be health. There's going to be issues that come. Our children are not always going to do the things we want them to do. We don't always do the things that they want us to do. (laughs) Amen, children? (laughs) But when a flood came, and they're going to come. When that flood comes... How do we respond? Do we blow up in anger? Do we go into a hole? Do we hide from the church and God and go, well, if I'm having problems, I guess God doesn't love me. Think about that. I've heard brothers and sisters of Christ say that. Because this happened, I guess God doesn't love me, so I'm going to leave that church. What? <laughs> Folks, this is normal for all of us. That the one who hears my word and does not put them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the ground without a foundation. That moment, this torrent struck that, that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Folks, I don't want anyone in here building their house, their home, on sinking sand. I want us to build our lives and our homes on God and His word. And the focus of this series is going to be on how to do that. Based upon that scripture, what happens when we build our homes without Jesus or consulting God and his word? Things will fall apart. Things fall apart. What else? In America, it's 50% of the time it's divorced. About 50% of the time it's divorced. don't detect landmines that, are, that we're about ready to step on. Yeah, we don't detect landmines that we may step on. What else? Yeah? You don't have a mutual authority to submit to when you're arguing. You don't have a mutual authority to submit to when you have disagreements so or you're arguing. You've got opinions at that point. I think. My will. My ideas. What else? Did you notice the last phrase there? And its destruction was complete. When you build your life, and when you see someone building their life on sinking sand, it's going to be a completely destroyed home. Now, for those of us who know Christ, we build our house. We're We're building on the foundation of Christ, amen? We're not the second group. But I also want you to realize there are people all around us who don't know Jesus. The church is also responsible to reach out to them because we're we're trying to help them build their homes. We, We can mentor families and individuals in our own community who don't have a clue what that looks like. And we're talking and continue talking with this church and others about how do we actually mentor people in our community. And for those who are interested in doing that, we're going to find a way for you to get connected. I know they do it at Parkview, and we're going to continue to, Parkview Community Mission, we're going to continue to op- open that opportunity for you to be able to mentor a couple, an individual. Yesterday, Jonathan and I and several others at uh, the school were going around to the various sites during Serp Lynchburg. We went to the Salvation Army. The of Lodge in Lynchburg is closed. It needed to be condemned. Uh, Miriam's house is about ready to close. Um, and, and, they're, and he's trying to figure out how to keep it open right now. The Salvation Army is full. And they've got the entire uh, upstairs, several families living up there. Mm-hmm. And then down below, they have men's areas and women's areas. It's full. Mm-hmm. And they could take in more people. But there's like, who's going to mentor these individuals, these families? Who just want to try to figure out how to get it done. We're all busy. But you realize how much knowledge you have that they're missing because some of them don't even know? What are the key components of building a strong Christian home? First, Christ must be our foundation. 1 Corinthians 3, 9-11. through Someone read that for me. For we are co-workers and God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So that's our foundation. Jesus Christ is our foundation. How we can follow after him. How we live our life. We are God's buildings, and so we must build on this foundation as co-workers. Interesting statement, isn't it? Some of us in this room feel like it's our responsibility to build our homes correctly, and that's true. The problem is, is that you're not alone. You're not in this alone. You were never meant to be alone. We are co-laborers together. We come together like this, and I know the, the great danger is that you can come in here, you can go, that was nice, we fellowship together, I got to see some friends, had some food, coffee, juice, water, whatever, had, the lesson was nice, and we leave, but we really don't connect. That's what these the life groups are for, Designed and the men's groups, and the women's groups, and different things that go on. We need to connect to each other. Thank you to those of you who work together and, and mentor each other and encourage each other spiritually and you work in that mindset of discipling one another and keeping each other connected because we're co-workers together. Okay? In other words, God brought you through some things and you can help somebody else go, that's going through it. You can encourage somebody when you have been through what they've been through in a way that no one else can do. Some of you have been through divorce. Don't stigmatize yourself with that idea. If God has helped you get through that situation, you may be able to help others do that. Some of you have been through health issues, and you mentor and you come on somebody who went through health issues. Some of you have went through financial problems, and you've come out of those financial problems, and God can help you help others through those financial issues. Some of you have, have went through problems with children. And who walked away from the Lord or not following Christ. And you're, it's like, oh, don't stigmatize yourself and say, oh, woe is me. I've, I've got a wayward child. I must not have been spiritual. No, that's every, and Dr. Towns says, every tub sits on its own bottom. In other words, we're all responsible for ourselves. And you know what? You can raise your child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Okay? But your children, just like you, have a right and a responsibility to choose what they're going to do with that knowledge. Let me ask you this question. I've asked it before, but in context. How many of you, I will raise my hand first, you knew the right thing to do? You knew a choice to do righteousness or sin, and you chose sin instead. I have full knowledge shame on me. But I did. I confessed it. If I have that right, don't my kids? So I'm glad my two daughters are here. But you know what? I can't make them Christian. Neither can you make your kids Christian. That's a choice they have to make. Your children that are here, they, they have to make that choice through the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. And there's no judgment. There's no condemnation. But we we work and we love and we pray. And we just, we have to, we leave it there. God loves your kids more than you do. And so we have, at times we have to go, okay. God, don't look at yourself as, I I failed. I did this. I I, I need to do something different. No. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of times parents blame themselves because of Proverbs 22 says. And it's a bad interpretation. Proverbs 22, six says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. And there are Christian moms and dads who look at that passage of scripture and go, I failed because my kids aren't following Jesus. Because right there, first of all, make sure you understand that Proverbs are not doctrinal facts. They're wise sayings they general rules of truth. But it's also how you raise them, they, this is how they will generally turn out when they grow up. But every one of us have the right to choose what we're going to do with that knowledge. And that's the privilege that God gives every one of us. He hasn't put made his puppets on a string. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. What are you going to do with it? We must be wise in how we build our homes. We should build up each other with care. In other words, um, there's a movement out there today that says the church, where we meet like today, is unnecessary. We just need to be like Jesus. We just need to be growing like Jesus and the right. But is the church, the body of Christ meeting together essential? And I think the answer to that is yes. When students raise their hand, and by the way, 99% of my students are phenomenal. So don't take those two and go, (laughs) it hasn't. It's still a beacon on the hill that's amazing. Okay? But how do we care for one another? How do we actually look at that when you, when you see these things, when you go, okay, wait, here's these, here's the situation. How do we then take it and they say, wait, we don't need the church because we just want to be more like Jesus. And I'll, I'll say, okay, let me ask you two things. Number one, you can do this in community without having church. How do you use your spiritual gifts? Guys, have you been given a spiritual gift by God, yes or no? Yes. Some of you have several gifts. Are you using those to edify, to build up the body intentionally? You can do that just with Christians gathering together, but is it intentional and consistent? In the church, we can do it on a weekly basis. We can do it constantly. But I also ask this question. How does church discipline take place if you're not a member of a church, and that's the one that always kind of goes, okay, that that makes sense. Okay, you got a point. That's one, one wider zero two. <laughs> but nevertheless, the question still is: We need purpose. Okay, how do we care for each other? How do we care for each other? We pray for each other. We pray for each other, partner. We try to put their needs in front of ours, like preferring them over ourselves. We put others' needs before our own needs. And Barbara, how do we do that? Well, uh, one way is to realize that we're selfish, <laughs> and uh, and our uh, marriage partner wants us to do something or go somewhere, and uh, we just don't want to do it. And, uh, it may be something serious or something light, but we, we just get in and say, okay, let's do this. Yeah. How do we do it outside of our immediate families with each other? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of you are gifted at things that each other aren't. That we help one another when there's a need. We learn of a need and go, don't just simply say, Uh, Lord, I pray for them. Meet their need. I can do it, but I don't want to. We actually get up and do something for each other. We help each other. We serve one another. This, if we're not careful, we ask for prayer. God meets our need, and we don't tell anybody. We don't praise the Lord publicly. We just kind of, He met the need, so I don't have to follow up. And people will call and say, Hey, how's, what's, what's going on with this? You follow up with them, and it's like, Oh, this is what's going on. Or, Hey, I noticed on Facebook, Oh, yeah, God answered the prayer. I've shared my two unspoken requests. Those are ongoing issues. God will do, and in the right time we'll we'll share. But you know what? As we go through that, we, we meet each other, we care for each other. The foundation is Christ. What does it mean to have Christ as our foundation? What does it mean to have Christ as our foundation? He's the one that we cling to, that we focus on. That He's the one that has the answers that we're seeking. Somebody else. Solid brown. He's our solid ground, meaning it, it's something that's consistent and that, that's firm, that we can always trust in Him and what He has to say. Even when our, even our own minds go, hmm, how about this? No, always go back to Him. Mark? We have an eternal foundation. We have an eternal foundation. Mm-hmm. Gary? When you have something that's square... That's true, you then can build everything else on that and know that if it comes out looking the same, it is also square and true. Absolutely, yeah. You've got to have something that's true. That's square, that's that you, you can use as a guide. Yeah. So if you if you don't have a good foundation, if you don't have a my husband's really good about this, I'll say, you know, this opportunity came up. He's Pray about it. <laughs> and um, I'm like, well, no, I haven't yet. So it's just reminding us to, because otherwise we can be scattered and distracted and get off centered and, and, and completely in a different, you know, without even realizing it if we don't continually go back to the Lord and keep it as our prayer. Yeah. I, I've done that very thing. I jump ahead, but I haven't even taken time to pray for it because in my head, I got it figured out. That may not be what God has figured out. And he may want to protect me from something. But I just jump ahead anyways. Well, I, I just want you to know. It has been almost a year or two. Since I actually had to do two, two uh, sermon in two weeks. And I'm just going back to the good old days. So uh, if I continue right now. We'd probably go to 1230. And I won't do that for anyone in here. But we're going to finish this lesson for today. And pick it up next week. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we are all going through different experiences in our lives. We are single. We are married. Some with children, some without children, some with grandchildren, some with no grandchildren. We all have different walks of life. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to be our teacher and that you'll give each of us wisdom to consume the word truth of the word and spit out the bones that i may share god i pray that uh, you would use your word to help us grow our homes according to your blueprint your plan we love you lord thank you for what you're doing in jesus name amen i love you all have a great week